Hello everyone and welcome to the special edition of Beyond the Basket. I am your host, my name is Brandon Muting, and guys, today is the first episode where we get to talk about more than just Big East basketball. We get to talk about the March Madness bracket, how it is starting to shape up, and we finally get the tournament this year, all in Indianapolis, of course, but hey, it should still be a fun time. There's still multiple locations where the teams can play. So today, let's just get an overview of what this episode is about. Of course, we will still stick to Big East basketball. I'm going to talk about the Providence-Georgetown game, the St. John's and Marquette game, the Xavier Butler game, and then the Creighton and Seton Hall game. Then I'm going to name the Big East player of the week on the podcast, the Big East bench player of the week on the podcast, and the Big East team of the week. And then, of course, the AP results that just came out a couple hours ago. And then we can finally get to Bracketology. And remember, March Madness Bracket is a little bit different than the past years because of COVID-19. But I will talk about that more in that segment. So let's kick off the podcast with our very first game in our lineup. And that is the Providence Friars. And let me tell you, they're one of the most underrated teams in the Big East this year. Ed Cooley seems to keep them at a good tier of basketball. Every single year going into the Big East, you have low expectations for the Friars, but then they upset big teams. They beat the Creighton Blue Jays. There's been a couple years they've knocked off Villanova and Seton Hall. They have those games, and now people are considering them in the March Madness tournament. Are they in my bracket? You're going to have to stick to the end of the episode to find that out. But talking about the Providence and Georgetown game, Providence actually didn't do too well against the Hoyas. And this is the first time I've actually mentioned Georgetown on this uh, podcast, so it's a little bit interesting. So, the leading scorer for the Friars is A.J. Reeves with 28 points. Usually for the Friars, you see David Duke leading the team and Nate Watson, but this time it was A.J. Reeves contributing with 28 points, which is something Ed Cooley wants to see more of from A.J. Reeves if they want to be back in the top tier of Big East basketball. And actually, Shudier Bile for the Hoyas, actually came off the bench with 19 points, leading the Georgetown program in this game. And the positives for the Providence Friars, their ball movement was extraordinary. They had 18 assists. And if you haven't watched Providence play, they like to dig down low. They didn't take as many three-point shots as the other Big East teams because they have a center like Nate Watson. But that brings me to Georgetown's positive, which is rebounding. They had 47 rebounds. That is insane. They out-rebounded Ed Cooley's team by 14. And after I just gave all of this positive feedback for Nate Watson, when you have Nate Watson, how do you get out-rebounded by 14? And of course, when you get out-rebounded, you're probably not going to win the game, especially when it's by 14 rebounds. That stat blew my mind. I knew they were getting out-rebounded, by, but by 14 rebounds is insane. A downside for the Hoyas, they only shot 26% from three-point range. In the Big East, you have the teams who can shoot the three-point ball, and you have teams who don't. Georgetown is not one of those teams. <laughs> um, Providence has their games, but they're more known for digging down low to Nate Watson. And if you're going to shoot a three, you're most likely looking at David Duke for that three-point basket. 
the Georgetown Hoyas upset. I don't know if you want to consider it an upset, but I'm going to consider it an upset. They upset the Providence Friars 73-72. to Patrick Ewing is back on the board. I don't think they're going to finish strong this season, but who knows? It is only February. They only have a month. Maybe they do something big. And now moving on to a team who is kind of slowly came back up the ladder in the Big East Conference, and that is the St. John's Red Storm, who took on the Marquette Golden Eagles. Julian Champagne, and apparently two episodes ago, it's not Champagne, it's Champagne, had 22 points. He is the biggest star for the St. John's team. And then Theo John actually contributed the best for Marquette with 16 points. Not Dawson Garcia, not DJ Carton. It was Theo John, the power forward. And you know what? I would like to see more of that from Theo John. They could have a star-studded trio, I guess. But, you know, I'm... Marquette, I just have a lot of doubts with Marquette. Their program isn't as strong as everyone thought it would be, especially with the transfer DJ Carton. Some positives for Mike Anderson and the Red Storm. They shot 100% from the free throw line, making all 10 of those shots. And that is the biggest thing that the Big East has not done well this year is free throws. Well, St. John's put that to sleep for their program by shooting 100%. Marquette's positives is they forced 14 turnovers, and you're probably like, Brandon, that's kind of average. That's pretty much the best stat I could find for the Marquette Golden Eagles, and actually forcing 14 turnovers isn't bad. Some downsides for both programs, St. John's committed 18 fouls, which is a little much more than you're supposed to, and I understand it's a close game, so you kind of got a foul towards the end, but I bet there were some fouls they could have prevented in the game. And then Marquette only shot 29.4% from three-point range. Not a good look for Marquette. We talked about those three-point shooting teams. DJ Carton is really their three-point shooter, but St. John's is much better in the three-point shooting department. St. John's is one of those three-point shooting teams. Marquette is not, kind of like the whole Providence and Georgetown thing. St. John's is a three-point shooting team. St. John's picked up the victory 75 to 73 over Steven Wojnarowski in the Marquette Golden Eagles. Now taking a look at another team, the Xavier Musketeers took on the Butler Bulldogs. And this game was a little bit close, but ended a little ugly for the Bulldogs. Paul Scruggs for Travis Steele led with 24 points, and Bryce Z led the Butler Bulldogs with 16 points. A big, big stat for the Xavier Musketeers. They shot 50% from three-point range in When you shoot that well from three-point range, it's kind of hard to keep up with that. And I think that's why Butler lost more, lost by more than, you know, what the close game stat showed. At some point, there were points within them, and then Xavier took the game and ran with it. And that was one of the departments that Butler needed to prevent was the three-point basket, and they obviously did not. However, Butler out-rebounded them on the offensive side of things. They had 13 offensive rebounds, and Xavier only had five. And that's kind of a big stat when you're facing someone like Zach Fremantle on the Xavier Musketeers. The Butler Bulldogs definitely showed up in rebounds. Some negative things for both teams. Xavier only shot 50% from the free throw line. We talked about how the Big East Conference is not known for free throws. And Butler only shot 20% from three-point range. So Xavier was hitting the shots from deep, but Laval Jordan and the Bulldogs were not. Xavier took this game 68-55. to Don't be surprised if you see Xavier sneak back into the top 25 in the next couple weeks. In the last game, 
in the Big East Conference I'm going to talk about today is the Creighton Blue Jays taking on the Seton Hall Pirates. At some point in this game, you thought the Seton Hall Pirates were just going to take it and run and upset the Creighton Blue Jays, but it ended a little bit differently than Kevin Willard would have liked. The leading scorer for Mitch, er, for Creighton Blue Jays, excuse me, was Mitch Ballock with 29 points, and then actually coming off the bench for the Seton Hall Pirates was Bryce Aiken with 21 points. The Blue Jays shot 48.6 from three-point range. A lot of that was Mitch Ballock. He can shoot from the logo and make it in. That's why the Big East teams have been guarding him no matter where he goes on the offensive side of the ball and some big things for Seton Hall though they out rebounded Creighton by nine rebounds they had 40 rebounds and yes we've talked about in the past that Creighton is a smaller team besides their freshman Ryan Kalkbrenner but if you're out rebounding them by that much you would think they would have kept the lead and won the game some negatives especially with this negative bringing it up now Creighton only shot 57 percent from the free throw line they're in the bottom half of the league I think actually the bottom quarter of the league in free throws and Seton Hall still didn't take advantage over that but Creighton took over or took advantage of their 12 turnovers that they committed I talked about in the Butler Providence game with Creighton that they take advantage of those turnovers they didn't those two games but they certainly did this game making a comeback the Creighton Blue Jays defeated the Seton Hall Pirates 85 to 81 which was an insane comeback because Seton Hall was up by 16 at some point in the second half, and the Creighton Blue Jays, led by Mitch Ballock, made a comeback. Now, giving out my awards, and actually, all three of the awards are given to different players and teams. The last few podcasts, there's at least been two awards that went to the same player and team. This one it goes to each different teams. Uh, Big East Player of the Week, I'm going to give to Mitch Ballock from Creighton, having a career high of 29 points. He was unstoppable. He was looking like a splash brother on the Big East court. And Big East Bench Player of the Week comes from the same game, Bryce Aiken from Seton Hall, committing 21 points. No one was expecting that from Bryce Aiken, and I'm sure Kevin Willard was happy with his performance. And the Big East Team of the Week, I'm going to give to the Xavier Musketeers. They're now on a three-game winning streak, and that's why I said don't be surprised if they sneak into that AP poll. Now, looking at the AP poll results, Villanova staying at three after good victories this week, and the Creighton Blue Jays went from 17 to 15, slowly moving back up to where they want to be. And, you know, like I said, if I had to pick another Big East team to slide in there, it's going to be Xavier. Some people think UConn. I think Xavier actually had the most votes who didn't make the top 25. But Xavier is the next team that will be in there. I think they'll hit the top 25 before the season ends. And maybe they fall back out. A lot of people think UConn, but UConn had a strong start, but I'm not seeing it anymore. And maybe it's because of the absence of James Book Knight for a few games. I just don't know how I feel about UConn at the moment. Now, let's get to the bracketology segment of the podcast. All right, now taking a look at my first bracket. It is February 1st. You know what that means? We're about a month and a half away from the March Madness bracket beginning. So let me go ahead and kind of explain how the bracket's going to work this year. Now, because of COVID-19, the locations have been dimmed down. They are all going to take place in Indianapolis. I believe there's six to eight different arenas the teams can still play in. So yes, you can still watch multiple games at once 
at once, excuse me, which is super, super nice because I think that's the big thing they're trying to figure out. Like one game at a time, no, there's no way you're going to get the tournament done in time unless you take a few months if you're doing one game at a time. So this year, there's no such things as regions. The top team doesn't get to go to their closest region. It actually is just like a big S-formatted tournament. And so basically, you're having the top team face the very, very, very bottom team. You're basically having the one-seeded team taking on the 68th-seeded team, if that makes any sense altogether. So I'm going to go all, I'm going to go through four of my regions. I might pick some upsets in my bracket. And here's the big thing. If there was a theme this year, it's the smaller schools. You're going to see the smaller schools beat higher seeds than usual. They have stepped up this year. And if you need an example, look at the Drake Bulldogs from the Missouri Valley Conference. They just got ranked 25th in this week's AP poll. You'll know what I'm talking about. Just take a look at the smaller schools. So don't be surprised if some of these smaller schools are seeded higher than other schools. And you're going to kind of get a glimpse of that right now. So let me talk about Region 1. The one seed is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I think there's no surprise there. I have gave you my opinion about Gonzaga. I think they're a good team. I think they just need to be put into a tougher conference. And I have them taking on, well, the winner of this play-in game, the North Carolina AT&T versus Grand Canyon. I think Gonzaga would take that game either way. I don't see a UMBC <laughs> beating Virginia Cavalier upset in that. I think Gonzaga would take that. In my 8 versus 9 seed for Region 1, I have the St. Bonaventure. I St. Bonaventure, I believe. I don't know what their mascot is. I'd have to look that up. But taking on the Belmont Bruins, Belmont, I think, also needs to move conferences. They've been dominating their conference for the last few years, and I think it's time for them to move up. And this would be a close game. And when I was talking about smaller schools, St. Bonaventure is a smaller school, and they're seated pretty high for a small school. But I think I would have Belmont taking that first game, but it would still be a great game to watch. Now, coming in at number four is the Virginia Tech Hokies, who have kind of been like a silent team this year. And they would take on BYU. And that's kind of like the only team that Gonzaga has in their conference that could shut them down. This is one of the games where I could see an upset. BYU knocking off Virginia Tech. BYU is a very good team. And I think they are very underrated. And then you have the five-seeded West Virginia Mountaineers taking on the number 12, the Duke Blue Devils. Duke, this isn't Duke's year. Let's be real here. And right now, I'm considering them a bubble. But I am considering them in the March Madness Tournament. I will not be surprised if they do not stay there. I would have West Virginia. I don't think Duke's going to upset anybody this year. Um, I think the only upset we could see is that they don't make the March Madness Tournament for the first time in forever. So, insane stuff, and that's not something you see from Coach K, but maybe next year the recruiting program's better, and things look better in the ACC for the Blue Devils. The next game, I have the Oklahoma Sooner, Sooners excuse me, taking on UAB. I think Oklahoma's actually a little bit overrated, but I still think they're a good team, and they would take that game. And moving on to the six-seeded Purdue Boilermakers, one of my sleepers in my bracket would take on the number 11 North Carolina Tar Heels. I do think the Tar Heels are going to make it, but I don't think they're going to make any noise like they usually do in March. Um, also, number 7, the Drake Bulldogs. I just got done talking about them. They would take on the number 10 Louisville Cardinals, which that would be that would be a tough first game for uh, 
for a big team like uh or sorry for a smaller team like Drake but like I said Drake you got to take serious this year they are doing really well in the Missouri Valley they're undefeated and they're ranked 25th in the AP poll so do not take the Drake Bulldogs lightly and then the last matchup in my region one is the Iowa Hawkeyes and Luca Garza taking on the UMBC Golden Retrievers could the Golden Retrievers do the same thing they did to the Virginia Cavaliers? I don't think so. Not with Jordan Bohannon and Luca Garza. I think the Hawkeyes would take it. But that is Region 1 of the bracket. Taking a look at Region 2 is a little bit different. The number one seeded team. And I think this is probably my favorite to win the entire March Madness tournament. And that is the Baylor Bears. Especially with Jared Butler. Jared Butler's Definitely going to make all team Nash or national all team this year for the NCAA, but they would take on either Prairie View A and M or Long Island University in a play-in game. Either way, I think Baylor dominates. And then our eight and nine seeded teams, Boise State, who has actually been a very good team this year, haven't seen a program or haven't seen their program do something like this in a long time. Taking on the ninth seeded St. Louis, we're starting to see that old St. Louis background come back to play but they would have a very tough opponent in Boise State and number four a biggest team the Creighton Blue Jays would take on the 13 seeded Utah State Aggies and I don't think the Utah State Aggies are a team to mess with and I could see this being a closer game maybe even an upset which saddens me because I'm a Big East basketball fan but I could definitely see it in the five seeded Missouri Tigers taking on the East Tennessee State Buccaneers. You know, Missouri had a very good start, but I could see an upset with the Buccaneers here. It's something I would have to watch more closely. I need to watch an East Tennessee State game. I've definitely seen the Missouri game when they took on the Arkansas Razorbacks, but I need to see an ETSU game to kind of confirm that it might be an upset. And that brings me to the number three Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, the Alabama Crimson Tide taking on... South Dakota from the Summit League, and I think Alabama is just a really good team this year, and I think they're one of the underrated teams. They can maybe make a Elite Eight run with their squad. And then a disappointing team, the number six, Kansas Jayhawks, would take on Georgia Tech, which Georgia Tech has been kind of a surprise in the ACC this year. With a 6 versus 11 seed, I think the Jayhawks would sneak that one out, but you know what? I haven't also seen Georgia Tech play much this year, so that's something new. Now, this game, I think, would be a really fun game to watch. The Oklahoma State Cowboys with the 7 seed taking on the 10 seeded Big East team, the Yukon Huskies. I think that game would be a lot of fun to watch. I could see that game going either way. It would be, it would be a good game. It would be a good game. And honestly, I could see either of those two teams making maybe like a Sweet 16 run taking down the 2 seed. And speaking of the 2 seed, that is the Ohio State Buckeyes who take on the 15 seeded Sam Houston State. A little bit different. We haven't seen Sam Houston State in a while. So seeing them back in postseason basketball would be interesting. Now, Region 3, we see the best Big East basketball team at the moment. The number one seeded Villanova Wildcats taking on a 16-seeded Cleveland State. I think the one seeds dominate this year. No big upset. And then the eight-seeded Xavier Musketeers, also a Big East team, taking on the Dana Altman squad of the Oregon Ducks. That would be a very fun game to watch, and I think something you'd have to watch is Oregon center Eugene, and I, I'm blanking on his last name right now, and Zach Fremantle. That would be a fun matchup. 
Um, then you got the number four Virginia Cavaliers taking on the 13 seeded UC Irvine Anteaters. That'd be a very fun game. I think Virginia would win, but UC Irvine might be considered a Cinderella in this situation. And then we have a Big Ten matchup, the five-seeded Wisconsin Badgers taking on the 12-seeded Indiana Hoosiers with Archie Miller. I think Wisconsin would take it, but don't be surprised if Indiana did something. You always have that 12 beating the five upset. Then we have the six-seeded Florida Gators taking on the 14-seeded Navy team. And Navy hasn't seen March Madness in a few years, but they have a tough matchup against the Florida Gators. Florida Gators have been very good this year. Or excuse me, I'm sorry. Navy would take on the three-seeded Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee Volunteers have actually stepped it up this year. They blew out Kansas by a lot a couple days ago. The Florida Gators would actually take on the winner of a play-in game between the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and the Seton Hall Pirates. I don't see Seton Hall really staying in the tournament much longer, so I imagine Rutgers would win, but I think either way, the Florida Gators would win that. Now, the seven-seeded USC Trojans taking on the San Diego State Aztecs. I like USC, especially with their freshman center, Evan Mobley. I like USC, and I think they could be a uh, sweet, they can make a sweet 16 run, but they would have a tough time against the two seeded Texas Longhorns, who take on Northeastern in the first round. The Longhorns, I know Shaka Smart just tested positive for COVID 19. Hope he is doing well. And I know he was on the hot seat, but I don't think he's going to be on the hot seat anymore, especially with this year's run. Now, taking a look at our very last region, Michigan takes on the 16th-seeded Montana State. Michigan Wolverines, you guys have heard my opinion on Michigan. I think they're a little overrated, but I think they would pass the first round. And then the 8-seeded Minnesota Gophers taking on Toledo in an 8-9 matchup. And then we got the runner-up of our last March Madness tournament, the Texas Tech Red Raiders taking on the VCU Rams. Texas Tech is a pretty good team this year. And then the five-seeded Florida State Seminoles taking on number 12, the Liberty Flames. This is probably one of the matchups where I could see the 12-seeded team upset the five-seeded team. Then we got the three-seed Illinois taking on 14-seed Siena. Siena actually had a really good undefeated run, but now they've lost a couple games. I don't think I would see an upset here, but you know what? It's March. Madness goes everywhere, right? Uh, then we got the six-seeded UCLA Bruins taking on the winner of a play-in game between the Stanford Cardinal versus the Winthrop Eagles. I've I've seen Stanford play. I really like Stanford, and I think Stanford would not only win the play-in game, but could knock off the Bruins. And that is huge for me to say that, but you guys need to take a look at Stanford. I think they're very underrated, and I know they're a bubble in most situations and most brackets. But I think they could make a little bit of a run if they get out of that playing game against the Winthrop Eagles. And then the seven-seeded Loyola Chicago, the Ramblers, make their return to the March Madness Tournament, taking on a tough 10-seeded Colorado Buffalo team. That would be a tough game. A very tough game, especially with... But if you look at the Loyola Chicago fan base, you, they definitely have support. And I'm not saying Colorado doesn't. But you know what? Loyola made those magical moments because everyone believed in them. They made it to the Final Four because everyone, I wouldn't say because everyone believed in them, but like they had the support to make that Final Four run. So that's what made it interesting. But now they're seated a little higher. And they're not seated 11 anymore. They're seated 7th. And number two, Houston, who is probably the surprising team this year in college basketball, would take on 15 seated Louisiana. Haven't seen Louisiana in the tournament in a bit. So that would be interesting. But that is my bracketology, and in fact, I'm actually going to be posting this 
on my Twitter and on my Facebook. If you want to follow me on Facebook, my name is Brandon Muting, M-U-E-T-I-N-G. And then my Twitter is actually, let me pull it up, make sure I give you guys the right name here, is at Brandon Muting. Go ahead and give that follow. I'm going to be actually posting my bracket just in case uh, you missed a master, missed a matchup or I spoke too quick, which is very possible. I'm a very fast-talking person. Otherwise, that is the end of the podcast. Next week, I'll update my bracket a little more. It might be similar, but we will see how college basketball and Big East Hoops does this week. My name is Brandon Muting, and I will see you guys later.